When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after deceit, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Good morning. Uh, last week, we uh, started our uh, three-lesson sermon series on overcoming the burden of sin. For the first lesson, we, are, we were reminded of the devil's schemes. Uh, we said that the devil uses sophisticated tactics to deceive us, to distract us, and to discourage us. And uh, last week, we also said that we can block those arrows from the devil. How? By first encouraging one another daily so that we can uh, not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And also, we can anchor ourselves into the Word of God so that we do not get uh, distracted or drift away. And finally, we said that we can hang on to every promise of God, especially those that tell us that He's never going to leave us nor forsake us, so that we can be encouraged every day. For the second lesson this morning, and as Chad said, we are going to zone in more on sin so that we can readily overcome it. And to introduce how we're going to do that this morning, I'm going to talk to you about cooking. Cooking. Yes. How many of you guys here love watching cooking shows? I love it. Not because I can cook. I can't cook. I can probably boil water, but I, I probably screw that up too. But I love uh, watching those shows, but I also like and appreciate food, right? And for some reason, when you watch these shows, you appreciate food better because you get to see how they're made, right? So in cooking, I guess one of the trends that I've seen on TV is that there's this one thing that chefs do nowadays. They do this thing called deconstruct food. So they deconstruct dishes. Have you guys heard of that? So what they would do is they would take a regular dish and they would present it on the plate with deconstructed ingredients. So they would, you would have the ingredients like piled separate from each other. So it's deconstructed. So, for example, you know what an apple pie looks like in your head, right? You can see it in your mind's eye. Apple pie, especially those Costco apple pies. You can see it in your mind. I love it, right? But a deconstructed apple pie would look like this. Look at that. So you see the crust right here. You see the apples right there. You see the ice cream. You see some of the crumble. And then you see the sauce. So you see the apple pie in all of its glory. You see, you see its elements right there displayed in front of you. This morning, that is what we are going to do with sin. We are going to embark on a task of deconstructing sin today, this morning, right now. And once we do that, we are going to see the elements of sin right in front of us. How it starts, how it how it, how it produces itself and how it ends. And that way, we can overcome our enemy. 
we will know, we will get acquainted with sin, what it is, for what it is, and then we get to actually successfully overcome and deal with it. And that's today. Okay, so hang on to your seats. Um, God, through James, the brother of Jesus, has deconstructed sin for us. And we read that uh, during the scripture reading today. And that is what we are going to look at at this time. So, verses 13 and 14 of James 1. We read, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So God said, we, we read here that God does not tempt us. And in this particular verse, we see the beginnings of sin. Temptation. And we see that temptation has two essential elements to it. Our own desires and enticement. So we'll look at that in detail at this time, right? So if you're a math guy, you can appreciate this. Temptation is equivalent to desire and enticement. We are tempted when our desire, when we are enticed with our desires. But you're probably asking, what is that word enticement? Nobody uses that in everyday language nowadays, right? But think about it. When somebody's enticing you, what are they doing? Okay, I know that some people, you know, maybe some of you here are like that. Uh, they want to do away, for example, out of, they, they want to do away with sugar from their diet. They want to get rid of sugar. Okay? And it's, not, it's, it's easy to be enticed when you're doing that especially when you're faced with a big, beautiful jar of cookies like that. Okay? Enticement is also in two parts. When, when you're being enticed, this is what the devil is doing. He is encouraging us to actually, hey, have a cookie, or hey, do this. But an essential ingredient of enticement is opportunity. Because temptation is really not that strong if... We are encouraged to do it, but then it's not available for us to take part of. So if, I, if somebody's enticing me to eat cookies, and then there's no cookies right in front of me, it's really not a big deal. Well, you don't have the cookies, so I can't be tempted. So that is temptation. That's stage one. Temptation is our own desires with enticement. Right? We are encouraged to do it, and then it becomes available to us. Or, or, or the devil tells us where to get it. But is being tempted sin? Oh, I see people going like this. It's not. We know that because Jesus was tempted. And in the account in the wilderness, he was tempted three times. But then also, it's said in there that the devil came back at a more opportune time. So we are led to believe that Jesus was tempted like us throughout his life here on earth. But... He was perfect. He never sinned. So that being said, if temptation is not sin, how does sin develop? Well, James tells us. In continuing on in verse 15, he says, Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. That, brothers and sisters, is when we sin. When our desire has its way, then we give in to that temptation and we sin. So to put that in that, in that equation... Stage two is sin itself. And sin itself happens when, our, when we are tempted 
And then we act on it. When we act on that temptation and say, yeah, okay, I'll do it, then we sin. So giving that jar of cookies, when it's presented to us and we dip our hands into the jar, that is when we sin. That is when it happens, when we give in to that temptation. Now, there's a stage three according to James. There's temptation, there's sin, and then there's that ultimate result of sin that James talks about, which is stage 3. We see that in verse 15 of James 1. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James says that this sin leads to death, which is the final stage. And you're probably asking, how does that happen? How does the sin lead to death? You mean I do something now and then it leads to death? That's, 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 the, that's the most essential question that everybody asks, right? But let's see what the Bible says about that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Sin is horrible. Just look at what happened to Jesus when he took on our sin. Excruciating, abject pain. Those lashes on his back and that muscle-crunching walk up the hill with the cross to where he was going to be crucified. We did that to him. But he died for us anyway. But according to this verse, having known all, that, all those things that Jesus went through, and we deliberately keep on sinning, we're telling Jesus, you know what you did on the cross? It's rubbish to me. It's nothing to me. You died for nothing. That is what this verse is saying. Because there's no, more, there's no more sacrifice left for us. He did it once and for all. And if we're, trying, if we're stepping over it, and we're trampling it underfoot, the only thing expected for us to do is to expect judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Eternal spiritual death. Now, that sounds uh, harsh, but it's, it's, what is, it's what happens when we deliberately say no after we have, we have learned about the truth and the sacrifice of God. And effectively we do this. Ephesians 4 verse 30, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. We push away the Holy Spirit that gives us life. So that death happens. And when that happens, then this rings true. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all know what wages are. We, most of us here work. Some of us are retired, but many of us have worked, right, in our lives. And we know what wages are. If, for example, I worked four hours today, and I, I got paid $10 an hour, that means that my wages are $40. That is rightfully mine. 
I worked for that. That, I deserve that. According to Paul, as he wrote to the Romans, when we sin, we deserve something that's rightfully ours. Our wages. And that's death. So, sin, when it's full-blown, it gives birth to death. But now that sin is laid bare right in front of us, right here, stage one, temptation, stage two, sin itself, stage three is death when it's full-blown. What now? I promised you earlier that when we deconstruct sin in front of us, as we see all of its elements, we can now easily figure out sin and overcome it. This is what we're going to do now. Look at stage one. The two elements in stage one, desire and enticement. The first thing, desire. We can do something about that. Do you guys agree? We can do something about our desires. See, in this equation, if you take one out, if you take this one out, enticement alone will not be able to tempt us. I'll give you a case in point. Myself. We talked about sugar. I don't have a sweet tooth. I do not like sugar. Right? If somebody entices me with a big, big jar of cookies like that, I'd be like, it doesn't do anything to me. Because that desire is not there. As Christians, this is what we have done when we became part of the family of God. When we accepted Jesus, we were working on our desires so that we may be mature, complete in His family. According to Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its, fa- with its passions and desires. We have put it on the cross. My desire is not sinful anymore or should not be sinful anymore. It should be spiritual. But you're probably asking, well, how do we do that? How is that done? Um, there's a quote here that I have, but this, this quote is, 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 is excellent because last week we talked about the devil. The devil... He, uh, he uh, deceives us and distracts us and discourages us. And he's on us the whole time. And it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, the, the table talk today from Billy. That we have so many thoughts. I thought I only had three thoughts every day, but apparently I have at least 12,000 th- thoughts a day. That's, that's crazy to, to, to hear that. But the devil tells us, hey, uh, think 80%. Was that, was that correct? 80% is negative? He tells us, he tells us that, hey, it's okay. Hey, it's, you need to do this. And this quote really captures that. It says, once we pacify our conscience by calling something a necessary evil, it becomes more and more necessary and less and less evil. Take, for example, lying. My conscience knows that lying is not good. Even my children know, and they're four and three, know that lying is not good. As an adult, my conscience tells me it's not good. But I pacify my conscience by saying, it's okay. Because to save time, I just need to tell them something. I can't go to that thing, so I'm just going to say, I don't know, my, my grandmother died. 
because it's safe. They don't know my grandmother. That's okay for now. But this is what happens. It becomes more and more necessary as we keep doing it. And we tell our minds, we tell our hearts and our conscience and our, and our souls that, hey, it is actually looking good now. It's less and less evil. We cannot be trapped into that hole. We have to say no to that deception by Satan. How? Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This world tells us so many things. It tells us this is good or that is good, and we know that it's against the righteousness of God. We have to break from that. We have to tell the world no. We have to renew our minds. We have to change the way that we think. We need to be more spiritual instead of worldly. And then and only then will we find out for ourselves what God really wants us to do for this world, in this world. His perfect, good, and pleasing will. So we can do something about desires. But how about the second line there? How about enticement? Encouragement? I mean, the devil is going to do what he's going to do. So we probably can't do anything about that. Okay? Because he, he's just there all the time. But how about opportunity? We can do something about opportunity. We can limit our opportunities to be tempted and to sin. Do you agree with that? Jesus tells us that we can. Matthew 18, 8-9, he says, If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if, you, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it, away, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Jesus here is not being literal. We know that because if we cut off one of our hands, we still have one hand to sin with. And if I gouge out one of my eyes, I still have one eye to sin with. But what Jesus is doing here is he's telling us that if we want sin to be out of our lives, we have to take drastic measures. Sometimes we have to take traumatic measures. This verse tells me that if I, if I go to that place and I know that if I go to that place, I will be tempted and I will probably sin, this verse tells me that I need to cut that off. I do not go there. If hanging out with that person or those people or that group will lead me to sin, my Lord tells me, Cut it off. Do not hang out with them. It's okay to not be cool here on earth, but be in heaven after. If I need to subscribe to this or that, or watch this or read that, or buy this or buy that and sin, I might as well say no to that and not do it. It's better not to have any of that stuff now than to have that stuff now and be lost forever. Drastic measures is what we need 
so that we can limit our opportunities to be tempted and to sin. Now, sin itself, we can do something about that. We can do something about temptation. We saw that here. We can do something about our actions. We can control ourselves. That's a beautiful song that we, that we sang before the, before the lesson this morning. Take control, Lord. Take control. Mind, body, and soul. We can, we can do something about it. We can exercise self-control. And self-control is part of our maturity in Christ. Peter tells us that in Second Peter 1, 5-6. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. But you're probably asking the question, well, how do I exercise that self-control? How do I say no to the devil? He is so strong. His deceptions, his distractions and discouragements are too strong for me to say no. You know what? God has promised us many things, many beautiful things. One of the things that I remember and I hold on to every day that helps me with this is this promise right here. James 4, 7. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have this image of the devil, this big red guy. We looked at that last time, right? This monster who was always constantly bothering us and trying to eat us. It's like a shark in Shark Week, Discovery Channel. They will eat and they will relentlessly pursue a seal. Or like a lion who relentlessly pursues a deer. It's like they will not stop until they get him. But the devil, how, how, how do we get rid of him? What does it say there? Resist him. Say, no, devil. And what is the devil going to do? He will flee from us. You know, does that, does that make, paint a picture in your mind? Do you, can you imagine the devil fleeing from you? It's like this, this thing here. I throw it across the room. That's how fast the devil is going to go when I resist him. That is a promise from God. He's not going to go, well, I don't think he likes me right now, so I'm just going to... No. He's going to flee from me. But it says there as well that we need to submit ourselves to God first. Because without that, we can't really do that on our own. Now, may, how, about, how about stage three? Maybe some people here today are caught in sin. Maybe you just can't shake it off. Maybe right now you are still living in it. On the outside, we may look perfect. We come here, we participate, we are involved. But maybe we are still dealing with sin that would actually lead us to death because we st it's still there. We have not repented and we're still doing it. What can we do about it? See, God has a provision for that because He is an amazing God. He takes good care of us. Look at this thing here. Look at this verse. 1 John 1, 7, 10. One of my favorite verses. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That as well as a promise from God. 
if we walk in the light, if we have fellowship with Him, if we, are, if we have a relationship with Him, the blood of Jesus cleanses us every day. But we can't say, Lord, what I'm doing is okay. We can't say, Lord, my conscience has been seared. It's okay if I lied sometimes. That's not good. Because we would be lying to ourselves and deceiving ourselves if we said, what I'm doing is not sin. But instead of doing that, instead of denying it, we need to confess it to Him. And look at the promise here. If we do that, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We will then have a renewed relationship with God. And this verse will help us out. Amazing. Jeremiah 15, verse 19. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. Isn't that an amazing promise? What is repentance? See, I I didn't put it in my screen here. But I have a diagram for repentance that I know you will appreciate. Because it tells you right away what repentance is. Repentance is like this. You ready? Right like this. You see that? That is a 180 from sin. You turn your back on sin and God says, I will restore you so that you may serve me. We can do something about sin as it lays bare in front of us. We can do something about our desires, our opportunities, and our actions. And we can confess to God our sins. As we deconstruct sin, we know that stage one is temptation, stage two is sin itself, and stage three is death. But I want to take a little bit more of your time to really hammer down the point. Satan works psychologically. He is an amazing uh, psychological warfare expert. He works in our minds and in our hearts. And I just want to illustrate that point, that it all starts in our hearts. Have you had an apple with a worm inside? Have you guys had that? I have. I remember when we came to Canada, and in my first school year here, our school took us apple picking. And I was so excited. I had never seen an apple tree before. Right? And I had never seen apples on the tree before. It's so cool. So we went there and I saw the apples right on the tree. And the apples are not, the apple trees are not tall. They're like, you know, maybe eight feet tall or whatever. Right? They're not very tall. And I can just touch the, the apples without picking them. And I, that's, I had fun doing that. Before we left, the teachers, our teachers told us that we can have one apple from the tree for the road. So I was careful to pick out the best apple that I could find. The shiniest, biggest, most perfect apple ever. So I looked at them, inspected them, and finally I came up with one perfect apple. I took it out. Took it in the bus with me. And then while on the bus, we're driving and say, I'm going to eat my apple. I'm going to enjoy it. So I took it out from my pocket. It was actually in my pocket. I kid you not. In my pocket. I took a bite of it, and I was enjoying it, and I was going to take the second bite, and lo and behold, what's there? A worm. It's like, how did it get there? There were no holes in that apple. 
Did you guys know what, do you guys know how that works? So that my teacher told me how it worked. It worked like this. The worm, the worm laid its egg on the blossom, on the, on the flower. And while the, the, the apple is forming, the core is the blossom, apparently, and the worm is there. The egg is there. So the fruit forms around it. And when the fruit is formed, the egg is inside. The egg hatches, and then it feeds on the fruit. So you don't see a hole outside. It's perfect. Sin is like that worm. It works from the inside out. We may look perfect today. Nothing wrong with us. Because people see we're wearing a nice tie. We're wearing, you know, we look good. But sin works from the inside out. It works. It's in our hearts and in our minds. It is what I would call an affliction. But we can do something about that affliction. And today, I invite you to do that. If you need help with sin in your life today, because it it prevents you from a relationship with God, please speak with me. And also our elders are in the back. I know I can see John here. As you, as you leave from here, you can speak to him or to anyone that you know here in this congregation who will help you out. Thank you for your time.